Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Amy Denoyles from UCF Center for Distributed Learning, and I'd like to welcome you to Personalizing the Learning Experience, Integrating Adaptive Elements in Online Courses, uh, part of UCF's Faculty Seminars and Online Teaching. Our intention in each of these series is uh, to provide a brief treatment of a topic, 30 minutes, that's relevant to online teaching and connecting our participants to an array of resources for more detailed follow-up. We think that the seminar will be successful if you walk away with one idea that you can put into action right now. Uh, speaking to the array of resources, let me direct you to our website, which I have written in the physical room. Online folks, you'll see it under web links, under presentation materials. That site has the abstract and the biographies for today's presentation. It will also have the presentation slides and any other kinds of resources as well. Uh, and I'd like to acknowledge the participants on site with us here at Center for Distributed Learning, as well as those participating online through Adobe Connect. Welcome. Our online participants are in great hands with Beth Nettles and Linda Futch as online moderators and John Pizzo ensuring technical quality. In the feedback form for today's session, please feel free to share any unanswered questions and we'll be sure to follow up online audience, you'll see that under web links in the feedback form. All right, and we're going to get started. And please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Debbie Haas Vaughn and Corinne Stull. Okay, and since we have a few more trickling in, uh, thank you again. And so welcome everyone to Personalizing the Learning Experience, Integrating Adaptive Elements in Online Courses. So here is a quick thought for the day or quote of the day as everyone gets settled and we begin here. And with that, let's get right to it. So today we are going to talk about um, an overview of adaptive learning and what it is, examples here at UCF, and the instructor's role and experience and how to get involved with personalized learning. So let's begin with adaptive learning at UCF and some examples. Adaptive learning systems provide each student with a personalized learning experience, adapting the presentation of content and possibly assessment according to differences in, different, in student skill sets caused by an increasingly diverse population. So essentially, we are personalizing the student experience through use of an adaptive system. UCF is using an adaptive system called Realize It. Um, this decision was based on faculty input, uh, mostly due to, because, due to the con Due to, the, due to the program being content agnostic. Hard word to say for me, sorry. The program is also adaptive learning and assessment, not just one or the other, and it has a very robust analytic component to it. The system adjusts content based on student performance in real time. It uses mostly formative assessment rather than summative assessment and adapts to, adapts to the student's needs based on direct knowledge. The system also allows for acceleration and remediation within a course. There are multiple opportunities for practice and mastery, and the system incorporates a lot of scaffolding and sequencing. You may be familiar with things such as see, try, do, and review. The system uh, incorporates this quite a bit. The system also focuses on student needs and what they need to know. It targets student learning gaps. Also, the system learns how students learn and adjusts the presentation to each student over time. 
So for example, a student may perform better after watching a video as opposed to reading. The system may then start to deliver videos to the student if it sort of has determined that the student learns best after and performs best after, after watching a video as opposed to reading. So there's a lot of different adaptive learning approaches. Um, use can range from in-class individualization to whole online adaptive systems. Some courses may only have one module or a few adaptive modules. Some courses may have every module in an adaptive form. Some courses may also use every module being adaptive, but at a much higher level, incorporating detailed concepts and activities such as case studies. Here at UCF, we began using Realize It in fall of 2014, and we began a pilot with three courses. Uh, those courses are General Psychology, College Algebra, and Pathophysiology for Nursing. Um, use of Realize It continues. Um, college Algebra has led to Intermediate Algebra being added. Um, pathophysiology as an undergraduate course has led to a graduate Pathophysiology course. Um, we have a whole program that is moving into Realize It. It's about half in at this time, the Bachelor of Applied Science program. And Statistics for Educational Data is another graduate course that is also in the system as well. So to elaborate on one of these examples, um, the Pathophysiology course is one that uses case studies and is one of those higher level courses. Um, the Pathophysiology course has these case studies that are built in. They have built-in assessment. And they also have adaptive interactions within them. These interactions are enhanced through use of various question types variables, conditions, and of course, feedback. These tables represent patient charts that are in the course. Um, the red blocks that you see are variables. Um, these are not displayed to the students. The students see, ultimately, numbers as patient charts. So these variables have set ranges and for values such as glucose, sodium, potassium, and they are ultimately randomized um, to simulate patient charts for case studies. These variables are also used to create conditions. So what you see here is some statements that may be displayed to students. And these statements depend on the variable values. So one or two of these statements may be displayed to the student based on a glucose value, for example. Um, no two students will see the same case study. Because what happens is the variables are so randomized that it's different for every student who goes through. And it's different every time the student goes through. Because the numbers can be quite different each time. Ultimately, what the student sees is some questions based on that patient chart. And some of the resulting conditions are also displayed to them. In this case, only a couple of those conditional statements were appropriate for the uh, patient chart values. And with that, I will turn it over to Debbie to share the instructor perspective. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you all for coming today. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit first about how I got involved in personalized learning. I was asked. Um, this was not something that was on my radar. I was approached by someone that was on the personalized learning team who suggested that my class would be a great fit for personalized learning. <clears throat> and this was an easy sell. I was looking for a tool that would allow me to um, really differentiate to my students. Students come into the class with a wide range of abilities. Some students come in and are able to pick up and run with it. Other students need a lot more practice. And personalized learning really allowed me 
to provide that differentiation that I wanted. <clears throat> it also gave students ownership of their own learning. There was not a logical reason why I needed to restrict students to one module per week. If they wanted to work ahead in the material and progress faster, I wanted the capability to allow them to do that. And um, within the parameters of a semester. So I'll come back to this a, a bit later in, in the presentation. But I also became much more of a facilitator. Students really took ownership of their own learning and engaged with the material to learn the content. <clears throat> so my course is a graduate level introductory stats course that's taught online. There are 11 modules. Four modules relate to descriptive stats. Seven modules relate to inferential stats. And after speaking with the personalized learning team, I knew that personalized learning was a good fit for me in my class, but I didn't necessarily want to commit to adopting personalized learning for the entire class because it was going to be a time commitment to actually build and get up and running. So there was a natural break in my class between descriptive and inferential. And I said, that's going to be a good starting point. I'm going to start with those first four modules and kind of get my feet wet um, with personalized learning. <clears throat> the components required for personalized learning aren't different from what you think of in an ordinary class. Um, these are the materials that students actually need to learn and assessment items. How am I going to assess whether they've learned? But it took me a few, probably more than a few, conversations with the personalized learning team to really grasp the fact that I was not starting from scratch. Um, just because I was adopting personalized learning didn't mean that I had to completely overhaul my class and do everything, um, everything over. I could keep what was already working well. Um, so when you think about what are the components of personalized learning, what did I need to make personalized learning work, I already had those. I had the content. I had the assessment. So what was different was how I thought about the organization um, and the structure of those components. So one thing that really was different is I had to put way more thought into the assessment um, because personalized learning is really driven by that assessment. Um, and so thinking very deeply about not only what they're learning, but how am I assessing them on that learning. So how is a class organized in personalized learning? Um, personalized learning content is organized as a set of nodes in a learning path. So the nodes are represented here by the rectangular boxes. And these are very granular pieces of content. Each node is essentially one concept that I cover. So for example, graphs and plots, which has a little plus sign underneath it, if I expand that out, is actually multiple concepts related to graphs and plots. So within each node, students are receiving content. They're also receiving assessment items. And it's the results of those assessments that determine the recommended path that they take to learn the content. <clears throat> Students can also um, self-select their own path, assuming that they um, have proven mastery to be able to do that and to be able to move forward. From my perspective, I actually determine the relationship between those nodes. So the path might be very linear, which is represented here on the left. Or the path might be very hierarchical, as represented on the right, where students really need to understand one or more concepts before they're able to move on 
to additional concepts. So this was probably my biggest change in mindset as I incorporated um, personalized learning into my class. <clears throat> I thought I knew what the relationships were um, between the concepts that I was teaching, but personalized learning really forced me to formalize those relationships, um, especially in the hierarchical nature. What are the concepts that students really have to learn before they go on to an additional concept? And so forcing that, forcing me to think through that much more deeply than I had um, before was a big learning, a big learning curve. So what does it look like from the student's perspective? There's a seamless integration into web courses. So students start by clicking on an assignment that's embedded within the course management system. After they click on that, this takes them out of web courses into Realizer. <coughs> and the system tells them what to do next, which is to complete a determined knowledge assessment. This is basically their pretest. And it's represented here um, by number one. The system then asks the students to gauge how do they feel like, how well do they know the material on this scale of one to five. If there are no direct prerequisites, students can choose to skip determined knowledge and go directly into the learning. In this particular case, we see that most of the nodes are locked, so students have to show some mastery before they can get into those. So based on how I do on this determined knowledge assessment, based on how well I do on this pretest, I'm directed to an appropriate learning path. Um, in this particular example, the system detected that I had a lot of deficiencies. So I can see that by the color coding of the nodes. The, the more red the node, the more deficiency, deficiency you have in that particular concept. So I can see in the first node, I'm pretty marginal. I have some understanding. The second node is red, which would equate to a failing grade. So based on that, the system tells me I need to learn some content before I can progress any farther into the material. So what does it actually look like within a node? So this is one example of how I present the content, which probably looks very similar to many of your contents if you teach an online class. I have text, I have graphics that displays the information. So in Realize It, each screen represents a portion of the material that I'm able to click through um, as a student. The toolbar at the top indicates the options I have within a node. I have access to content, I have access to practice items, which are ungraded items, and then I also have access to the questions that actually are the graded assessment items. Um, as Corinne indicated, there's a lot of flexibility in the types of questions that can be used in Realize It. This is just one example of, of a traditional multiple choice question, um, but there's a lot of ways that those assessments can actually be included in personalized learning. But what happens if I, as a student, have good baseline knowledge of the content? So in this particular example, based on my pretest, based on determined knowledge, I had good command in the material. And I can see that by the levels of green in my learning path. So when I'm taken back to this particular learning path, I see I have light green and dark green. So after completing determined knowledge, after the pretest, 
Rather than the system taking me directly to content, I'm asked to complete a few more assessment items, which I got all correct in this particular example. And the system gives me the message, we can stop now, I think. That was some good work. Of course, you can always practice again if, you're, if you want. So rather than taking me to content, I completed a few more assessment items. Based on that, the system realized, understood, that I had mastered the content and told me, you really don't have to go to the content unless you just want some additional practice. As the professor, I have to be okay with this. I have to be okay with knowing some students are not ever going to touch the content if they show mastery ahead of time. So that was kind of another mindset switch um, that I had to, to come to grips with and um, realize that in order to incorporate this, I had to be okay with that. So what are the benefits of personalized learning from, from the faculty perspective? So students have a lot of engagement with the content. Um, they get a lot more practice than they would in a, a class that I traditionally teach. From my perspective, there's a lot of data analytics that really help me to be able to drill down and understand how students are doing. Probably the most useful to me are the color-coded nodes. So on the right half of the screen, um, the top portion, each of those little index tabs represents a student in the class. So I can go through very quickly and see performance of students um, for a particular node or a particular section. So in this case, for example, the student did well on two of the nodes. On two of the nodes, they're really, really struggling. So in terms of being able to target that student and provide some additional information, provide some additional assistance, I'm able to do that. Um, in, the, in the middle, the top left, um, little silhouette um, node, the little silhouette index tab, is a class aggregate. So I can also see across all the students in the class, what's their average performance. So I can look by student as well as um, the class as a whole. Also on this um, screenshot are the um, variations in terms of grades. So as we see, the farther red you are, the um, limited proficiency you show, more green represents more command of the material. So about midpoint in the semester, I asked students um, and surveyed them just to see how things are going. One of the questions I asked is, what are you most enjoying about the class so far? So remember that I said that I did not overhaul the entire class. This is one component um, that replaced the midterm exam. Everything else is still available to students in terms of assignments and other activities. So in terms of um, the engagement with the material, students enjoyed that there were multiple ways to learn. This happened to be one of those. Um, but they liked having multiple ways to learn. In terms of the second bullet, personalized learning isn't an easy way out. Um, you're in control of how students are assessed and the difficulty in that assessment. So students see that as challenging but helpful, as the student noted here. It really helped me know if I actually understood the concept. And the last bullet, um, this is a common, content, a common comment from students, is they really appreciate the engagement with the material. 
um, and being able to interact with it more so than in, in a traditional class. This is a comment from a student this semester. Um, and I bolded here what I really felt was valuable. Without the adaptive learning, I would never have learned the material. In speaking with this student, what I also realized, as I also stated earlier, half of my part of my class is personalized learning. The rest is kind of the traditional way that I've taught it online. Um, what she told me later that is not reflected here, she said, now that I don't have personal learning, I'm completely off track. I'm doing what's minimally required, but I'm really not engaging in the material. Um, so it does really have a huge impact with students. I also ask students, what are you least enjoying about the class? Um, as stated by this comment, you know, personalized learning is challenging to students. The algorithm that drives personalized learning is not based on allowing one correct answer to replace one incorrect answer. So when a student misses an item, they may have to take multiple items to build that um, knowledge back. And students see this as, as challenging. But as the student says, I will say, though, I got it down very well in those areas. So, so what were the challenges? Um, as much as I love personalized learning and I find value in it, I don't want to leave um, with you thinking that it's it's perfect or it's made me perfect as an instructor because it in no way has. There were some challenges. Um, what I expect to be, to be a challenge was that students wouldn't understand how to use the system. I really expected just a huge down, downpour of emails from students saying, I don't understand how to use this. I'm really confused. And there were none, literally not one email from students. It was completely silent. Um, rather, the problems I had were all self-inflicted. Um, so for example, I had some miscoded assessment items, which is a huge problem because personalized learning is driven by the assessment. So when there are miscoded assessment items, that's, that's a big problem. Um, so the problems I had were, were my fault um, and not something that were driven by the system. Another challenge relates to the confines of a regular semester. Academics run on a very linear path within a very finite time period. So regardless of how quickly students progress through the material, at UCF we are still bound by there's a certain week at the end of the semester that students have to take a final exam. Um, so we are still operating within this very linear structure although personalized learning has the ability that we can move beyond that. Um, additionally, if student, this particular class is a prerequisite for a higher level statistics class. If students were able to work through this class quicker, it doesn't mean that they can go into that following class any sooner um, because we're still constrained by a semester basis. Um, personalized learning is also not a one-size-fits-all system. There are many courses that it's a great fit for. There are some courses that it may not necessarily be a great fit for. As I mentioned earlier, it is a time commitment um, to build this within personalized learning. So classes, for example, that um, change dramatically from semester to semester may not be the best fit, or at least for the overall class. There may still be components um, that could be incorporated for it. 
So all that being said, um, I am all in as it relates to personalized learning. I'm really excited to see how my class progresses. My plan is to continue to add modules um, until I'm at the point that the whole class is built out into personalized learning. So thank you very much. All right, thank you very much, Corinne and Debbie. And I just wanted to point everyone towards a couple of available support and resources that we have. The first link you'll see is just the basic personalized learning at UCF link for more information. The bottom link is more important. This is a Google form that we have created very short, I think it's five questions or less. If you have ideas for your courses and you'd like to delve into a little bit more, uh, please fill out that form. This form will be uh, also listed uh, in the, the URL that the face-to-face -face crowd sees. Uh, if you go to that URL, the link is also listed there, so if you, if you don't want to write it down at this moment. The online audience, you'll see it under web links. Uh, it'll say call to action. If you click there, it'll take you to the form. Basically, maybe you're a little interested, maybe you're a lot interested, maybe you just want to talk it over. That's the intention of that form, and it is intended for the, the UCF audience at this time. All right, so now we're going to switch to uh, Q&A period, and there we go through with references. Are there any online questions? Okay, so we're going to address the online questions first, and we can all see those. So what does in-class lecture look like? Uh, let's do that first one. I think, Debbie, you're, you're probably most suitable to answer that one. Okay. Um, so what does my in-class lecture look like? Probably very similar to um, many of you if I'm actually teaching face-to-face. -face. It's usually whole group, small group type of situation. Um, as I've transferred that to an online setting, I try to keep some of that. Um, students in my online class are provided materials through what I call movies. It's basically um, voiceover slides. Um, we have small groups, so to speak, via discussion postings and other online assignments. Um, but the online structure allows me to incorporate a lot of additional things that I couldn't necessarily do in a face-to-face -face class, for example, the personalized learning component. All right. Thank you for that, Debbie. The second question is, what model for blended learning do you use? And I think you've used this fully in a fully online course. Right. Uh, Corinne, has there been uh, adaptive learning in blended courses? Um, there has been um, adaptive learning in blended courses. I've been mostly working with instructors who are doing it fully online. Um, but it is possible at this time. Okay. So if maybe for follow-up, um, the person that posted that, if you'd like to follow up and use the Google form, if you'd like to think that through a little bit more, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, third question rolling in, what are the optimal size of classes for such a tool? That's a really great question. What, what do you think, Debbie? Um, for my perspective, because personalized learning is, is just that, it's personalized. So students are, are working at their own pace. So in terms of the size of the class, there's not necessarily a minimum or maximum that would work because the students are engaging at their, their own individual pace. You may see um, some variation in the ones that have been adopted. Yes, um, there's 
quite a range for classes that have been using personalized learning at this time. Um, some sections are rather small. Um, some courses maybe 20, 25 students, um, especially in the graduate level. Um, some are somewhat large. Um, the general psychology course uh, had up to 175 at one point. Um, there is actually a face-to-face -face, um, intermediate uh, algebra course that is up to 300 uh, at this time. So there's quite a bit of a range, whether it's face-to-face -face or online. Perfect. Okay, questions still rolling in. Realize it, is it an app option within Canvas for all instructors? That's a little bit of um, it's a simple question, but it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, for the, uh, I think it was Susan Collins. If you could fill out the, the Google form that we had, that call, uh, just click on call to action. Uh, every class is just a little bit different. Uh, I don't think it's been used in face-to-face -face classes, for instance, so there's a little bit of variability there, so please follow up with that. And the last one from our online audience, have you collected data on cost of implementation? I'm sure. I don't think we, we're privy to that. I, I believe Linda, if you could contact Linda Futch, and she put her, her contact info in the chat box, uh, we could follow up with that. Oh, I think she already did. Perfect. <laughs> All right, so that's, uh, at this time we're going to cut the recording, um, but please, online audience and of course face-to-face -face audience, please stick around and we're going to continue a question and answer period, but at this time we'll cut the recording for the faculty seminar. Online audience, before you go, please complete the session feedback. It's under web links, feedback form. We'd really appreciate if you clicked there and gave your feedback before you left.